there's times that we've wanted to be critical and say, there's nothing for me at this church. Right. But if you really look, there's always something for you. Hey, everybody, welcome to this week's episode of Kettering Connect. Of course, the weekly video cast where we get together with the speaker, spend some time unpacking the scriptures and applying them to life based on the teaching of the week. And hopefully you watched last week's message, which was amazing, from Pastor Brendan Pretzman, who is the new interim children and families pastor here at Kettering. And now he's here on the set, we were just talking about this, of Kettering Connect, and I'm super hyped that he's here. So thank you, Brendan, for being here. Yeah, I was saying I'm I'm really excited to be here because this is like a legitimate show. I snuck in early and sat in Jason's chair just to see what it felt I was, like. I, I did notice. Okay. Yeah, did you? But so, so thank you. I appreciate that. So, okay, so I just mentioned this. You're the interim pastor. Now, you've been here, is this three weeks, four weeks, three, four weeks, something like that? I don't know. I uh, My official start date was like the 15th, according to the conference, but I think I worked a week and a half before the before official that, start yeah, date. Yeah, because that's what church work does. So, yeah. Yeah. You work in, anyway. Um, but this is not your first go being pastor here at no. Kettering, um, which we've talked about, you know, in the past or whatever. But, you know, so what's, what are some of the differences? So I took like just, just a little break from ministry, right, at right. Kettering. Right. <laughs> so I left in 2011. And then came back just in, a little blip yep. in 2020. What? That's nothing. Okay. It's like cool. A, a and it's basically sleep. the same place. Same place. Same staff. A lot more technology. <laughs> that's, okay. That's. I told my wife. I said, "There's like a real technology learning curve here. You got teleprompters. You got." iPads, you got all this kind of stuff. We didn't have. I, and in 2011, it was like th- those things a rock. existed, but <laughs> okay. we didn't. We didn't use them. I mean, not not like this. I mean, I don't know. So. Well, Timmy and Alan really bring the relevance back to so, back to our church. And back then, we were like video podcast. What? <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure that actually existed. In I don't think it did. Anyway, cool. So, but we're super hy- hyped that you're here and you're doing this and you're doing an amazing job so far. And now really I'm trying to you. control my hands because I'm I'm a hand talker too, not like him. All right, he he takes it and like blew it up, like put it on steroids or something. But I do use my hands, and I'm I'm trying not to make us look like kung fu so panda little, here. So you'll learn Whoa. this. It's a little awkward with the mic stand yeah, and stuff. That. So do you do under? Do you go over? I don't know, you you figure it out. I, I don't know. hit it half the time and drives Alan crazy. But anyway, so last Sabbath you talked about Luke. Chapter 5. Luke 5, 1 to 11. 1 to 11. Yes. Um, so, uh, first of all, why did you pick that? Um, you know, because we were trying to talk about Labor Day weekend, the purpose of our labors, and I was just really looking around for something, and I encountered this. The, they, they, somebody referred to it, I can almost remember the name, um, as it was a Lutheran pastor, as mm. the biggest vocational shift Mm. in the Bible. Mm. And I thought, that's kind of labor, purpose of our labors, looking at a vocational shift. Why would that happen? So I'm like, I, I, that kind of led me there. I was going off of a book that uh, didn't have this story in there. And Mm. actually the book was talking about Esther and I was really battling between the two, but Mm. I opted this way. Well, you picked a story that I absolutely love. So, um, so do you mind reading it real quick? Let's just read Luke chapter. So all of you paying attention at home, uh, Luke chapter five, and we'll read just from one. I believe you're 
passage was from 1 to 11. 1 to 11, that's right. So let's just read it and talk about it. And it says, one day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. I like that this one said the Sea of Galilee. Yes, yes. Yes. My wife laughed over that. Um, Great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push out into the water. He sat on the boat and taught the crowd from there. When he'd finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets, and you will catch many fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, we'll try again. And this time their nets were so full, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell on his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. For he was awestruck by the size of their catch, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And and as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Okay, so... I. This is a pretty well-known passage, right? You talked about that. Um, so let's just, yeah, break it down, apply it a little bit. Um, just for me, um, at the very beginning, and just kind of jump in whenever, um, one thing I find interesting is it, it says in verse 1 um, that the word, that basically Jesus is preaching and great crowds pressed in on him listening to the word of God. And just for me, I was just kind of thinking about that idea, like the word of God was extremely popular, right? Like, like lots of people, like mine says a great crowd came to listen to this. And it's almost like, you know, we just got finished with the Jonah series where God does a lot of speaking and it seems like nature and this massive fish and like stuff responds. And now here's this, like the creator's voice speaking, right? This is the word of God and people are responding. See, I would, I would almost even back up a little bit further. I, but one of the things I found was interesting, and I don't think I talked to you about this ahead of time. So maybe I'm going to mess with you on this. No, no. Sorry if I do. No, go ahead. Um, the idea that Luke was this incredible historian. Yeah. And you talked about how he interviewed everybody. Yeah. We kind no, of, he did. He interviewed everybody. Interviewed everybody. He wanted to get a deep knowledge. Yeah. But the whole reason why he wanted to get a deep knowledge was because he wanted to present the truth right. about Christ. Right. Because um, a lot of people um, in those back in Luke's day were believing that Christ was kind of against the Roman government. He was an anarchist. Right. He was all of this. And, and Luke was saying, that's not true. You right. guys, you're missing the whole picture. And he said, I want to give the truest, best account of Christ. Right. It actually goes and interviews people to get the full story and then puts it together in this beautiful so, story. So many yeah. of the people that I was actually reading about come up with this idea of all, all these religions are always trying to present the truth. Right, right. And they, he, they, a lot of them trace it all the way back to Luke's whole perspective here is that mm. this idea of presenting the truth yeah. comes to presenting God. And so in many ways, when you talk about them pressing in, Christ 
is sharing truth about God. Yeah. And it's attractive. And right? it's attractive. Which is so interesting. So then, in other words, when we present truth, it should be attractive. It should be attractive. And if it's not, it's like, oh, I wonder how close we are actually to the truth. But anyway, so I just love the fact that here he is. He's preaching. Um, he's speaking. People are, are pressing in very much unlike today. They're not social distancing. They're not wearing masks, <laughs> right? They're all up on top of each other. Rona is being spread like crazy. Um, but then, but specifically, and you talked about this in your message, um, the I, the concept that he's in the area next to the lake of sea, uh, the, or the Sea of Galilee, right? Sea. Lake Galilee, um, which after doing a little research, I realized that this is the lowest freshwater lake on the planet. And then after doing a little bit more research, um, I realized that approximately 18 out of 33 of Jesus's miracles happened in this area. And so for me, what I find fascinating about this passage here at the very beginning is he's speaking truth. People are super hype about it and, and they're gathering and they're connecting to it, but he's doing it in a place that's really low, right? And so it's almost like this idea of, man, Jesus shows up in the really low spaces of life and speaks truth and is attractive, which I think, you know, for a lot of us, you know, during COVID, if if they're, you know, depressed or things aren't going so well or whatever, it's like, no, it, it's in those spaces, right? Where at oh, least like half that. the time, so you're God taking shows the, up. the physical lowness of the land that kind of represents... Like an emotional or spiritual an emotional, spiritual low. And we've yeah. had those moments, you know, sure. when you, you reach kind of the end of your rope, you're looking at this and you're like, oh no. Yeah. And then you have this encounter with God where you say, how could I have, I would have never paid attention to that if I wasn't at this low point. I would have never yeah, even heard right, God. Right. So I just think that's, that's pretty cool. Um, and then it, it, like, if we just kind of move through the passage, like in verse two, verse two, um, he noticed two empty boats. So there are a couple of options and he chooses one, um, at the water's edge. Um, and then Jesus asks, uh, wait, no, I totally skipped the line. Okay. So verse two, he noticed two empty boats at the water's edge for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Okay. So, so the, okay. You talked about this also in your sermon, right? Yeah. So at that time in that culture, because of, you know, the way they were fishing there at Galilee, they would fish at night. At night. And you brought out the observation that they did that because? Because they're nuts. During the day, the water had a clear aspect to it and the fish could just see the nets. They there, see the nets, right? And they just won't go to them. They know that that's not right. It's not supposed to be there. So when you fished at night, you didn't see the fish didn't see him and they'd go into him and then it was a scooping manner and right. you could get a whole school. So these guys were up all night. They're professionals. They know exactly what they're doing. They're yeah. doing exactly what they should be doing. What they've done for all their life. Right. Exactly. Um, and then it says, so they did that and now they're washing their nets. So it's over. Right? They're cleaning up. They're cleaning up. The day is done. The night is done. The night is done, um, which I find, yeah, really interesting. Um, and then Jesus walks up. Well, he's actually there, but they're washing up their nets. And then verse three, stepping into one of the boats. And I find this interesting. We can talk about this. Yeah. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. Okay. So... <laughs> Maybe Luke doesn't get all of the story, but at first read, it sounds like he just gets in one and then says, oh, by the way, push me out into the boat, right? So is this, is this slightly illegal? 
Well, it's it's a questioning thing. I mean, to say, you know, I, it, it kind of really depends on what was his relationship with Peter. With Peter. Yeah, yeah. Um, because, you know, and that, I pointed about that out in the sermon too, is, right. is at the end of chapter four, he, we have record that he's at Peter's house and he actually right. healed Peter's mother-in-law. Right. But, you know, did, did he know that that was Peter's boat when he stepped in it? Did he step in it because it was Peter's boat? That's really a lot of the definition. And we don't really have an answer for that. Right. So, exactly. So, he just gets in this boat and then doesn't ask permission, according to Luke. He just does it. And then he asks him to to push him out, which I think is interesting. So, he get, he has to go out under the water because there's so many people, yeah. right? And they're trying to listen. They're squeezing him in. He's going to be in the water anyway. But this is Jesus. So, he needs to be on top of the water. But this is the same guy, no, a little bit later, who walks on water. So, why does he need a boat? Well, because he's not trying to lure people into to amaze people to follow right, him. Right, right, right. No, true. I, I think definitely think there's that. But I also think right. He sees these two boats. He gets into one of them, which is an intentional choice. I also yeah. think like there are a lot. There's there's a lot that Jesus can accomplish right on his own. Like anything, everything. Yeah. But he chooses to partner with us. Oh yeah, right? that's and, true. And through yes. this choice to partner with Peter, look, you're gonna. It's like I'm gonna do my thing, but I want you to join me to partner with me in this ministry, in this blessing, and I'm gonna do the preaching part. You're gonna provide the boat part. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you're you're gonna do your thing, but now I'm gonna do my thing with you. Right. Right. This is a new a new relay a new partnership. That's. Yeah. You said that partner word. It's a new partnership. It's Which I think is pretty awesome, right? Because there's a lot. Like, I mean, we're in ministry. We do a bunch of stuff. There's a lot God can do on his own. Yeah. But I just wonder how much does he, you know, in, in God's mind, is he sees everything. He sees the needs of the people in our community, in our world. And he's like, I want to partner with you in connecting with these people. But think of it, flip that around. Don't just talk about God. How much more would we do? Right. If yeah, we sure. made an effort to partner with God on everything right. as well. Yeah, no, I, I I totally agree. So I just I just love that part that he's like choosing to work with Peter um in, in this blessing that's about now, to happen. Yeah, the interesting thing, I don't know if you want me to jump ahead yeah, yet, sure. but I love the um I love the fact and I don't even know where it is. There's not a record. Uh, Ellen White pointed out that there's no record of of what was taught that day. Oh, right. Uh-huh. And I thought that was really interesting. And and she actually related it right on to the fact that Peter was in a funk and he wasn't listening. Yeah, you did talk about that. And right. there wasn't people that, you know, he wasn't listening. He was, he was just so. He's in a low space. He's right? in just a low like space. We He's, yeah. yeah. You're talking about him being in a low space. Well, he was in even a lower space. Right. You know, and he just spent all night fishing. And in, in those cultures, you fish all night and then you sell what you have to feed your family. Right. Right. And he's got nothing. Right. I mean, can you imagine a day going to work and then coming home and telling your kids, yeah. your wife, Sorry, but right. we got nothing today. Right, right. Um, which then leads, to, so it's in this space of perhaps he has more questions than answers, right? Um, he's clearly bummed out. Um, he wasn't up all night fishing and working for nothing, right? So he's clearly in a space of like disappointment. Yeah. And then Jesus asks him to do something, which I think is interesting, right? And so for me, like these next few verses, <laughs> it kind of breaks down... Um, like, like, like an approach to growing in your relationship with God, right? Like steps 
toward walking in a closer relationship with Jesus. So first, Jesus asked a partner, right? Um, yeah. He gets in the boat, push me out, right? So push me out I almost so feel like, at, like that's kind of how God does, works today, right? Are, yeah. Let's, can we do this together, right? Can we, we go walk a little life bit together? Here, take a little deep, a little walk, you know, we're out on the lake, I'm teaching in the boat. Yeah, right. No, let's take this a little further. Yeah, for sure. That's what that's what he does. I mean, he says that. Let's right. Let's take it a little further. You know what I? Okay, so this is my simple side on all of this, right? I want to know if if Luke baptized Simon's words back to Christ. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right. Go go out a little bit over. I mean, because you can imagine, right? I mean, I don't, I don't know a fisherman say, "Master, we worked all night and didn't catch a thing." I mean, was there a? You got to be kidding oh, me, Oh, I'm right? sure there was some attitude. <laughs> Do you not know how hot it is Because out this here? is Peter, right? Yeah. I mean, this is the guy who, like, starts cussing and, like, you know, there's moms, like, covering little, you know, kids' ears and stuff. Um, yeah. No, I'm sure it was a little... You think I don't know my job? Oh, I right. Mean, something he's a, like that. And that's, which is another really good point, because this is a rabbi. What do you yeah. know about fishing, right? He's the, the, the professional one. Um, but I do also love this, right? So Jesus asked him, okay... Let's let's do life together. Okay, let's partner together. But then he asks them a specific question um, that's really inconvenient, right? Because yeah. they he they just got done cleaning their oh, stuff. Yeah. And he goes, All that stuff you just washed, let's mess get it, all it dirty up. again. Yeah. And by the way, it doesn't make any sense because it's broad daylight, right? So right, and, and so just... this whole thing is inconvenient. It's a risk. Um but I also love how, you know, a lot of times we think that when God shows up and... And, and you're just sitting there saying, and it won't work. It's well, inconvenient. Right. It's a risk. It's a waste of time. It doesn't make sense. And it's not going to work. Right. Uh, and, absolutely. And Peter's knows that. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt. No, no, I totally agree. No, no that, that, that's the point. But I also think it's interesting that, you know, Jesus doesn't ask him to go do something that he has, like, totally abstract from from his yeah. normal life. He asks him to just do what he normally does. Yeah. And I think a lot of times we think, okay, when God shows up in my life, he's going to ask me to, you know, go to India or do something just, you know, totally crazy. And you're just like, wait, what? I'm, you know, you're, we're almost afraid. Okay, God, what are you going to ask me to do? But it seems like a lot of times... God shows up and he just, no, just do what you normally do. But this time, trust me with it. I know it doesn't make sense. I know it's a risk. Just trust me. We're going to do it. We're going to do something different. It's going to be a risk, but trust me. See what happens. Yeah, that's totally what he said. So I, yeah, I, I love that. And so, the, so he does it, and he gives, you know, he, he, well, he reminds him. I'm betting that even while he's doing it, he's given attitude. Oh, yeah. for sure. Because that's know, what I would be. I, I mean, yeah. you're sitting there, and you know, um, what is it they say? Um, in in one of the marriage books I was just reading about relationships or whatever. I'm trying to touch up because I'm I'm counseling some people here. Yeah, yeah. Not cool. like marriage counseling, but premarital counseling, yeah, the yeah. fun kind of counseling. Yeah, no, super yeah. fun. So, anyways. Um, so I was reading about this and, and they said, um, no, I totally lost my thought. Where was I going? Premarital counseling. I don't know. I'm so, sure it was really good. <laughs> it was. It was brilliant. <laughs> It'll come back. I, I'm having this terrible ADD day. I don't know what else oh, to say. Oh, it's fantastic. Going back, going back. I got it. I got it. I'm landing it now. Okay. So they said, when you have a conflict with your spouse and you say, let it go, let it go. Let you it go. should let it go. Because if you go out and you like mow and you're mad and you're sitting there going, oh, my spouse asked me to do this and do yeah, that. Yeah. And you're really talking about it to yourself. I never do that. I'm a perfect husband. You're just digging it in and you're making it worse on your yeah. own your own emotional status. So what I was saying was, 
I'm betting Peter, well, he's throwing out this net and everything. He's yeah. doing the same thing. He's going, oh, no, you know, I can't believe this. This is making me so mad. I can't, right. I've got to do this all because, you know, he wants my boat and all, right. you know. No, I totally get it. And there is a connection. There I, is. I, I got it. It was there. I, I knew I had yeah, it. No, it way, just, way to bring it back. It went away and then it flew back. It, it's back. It's yes. like a boomerang. So, but, okay. So, but within this process, like I said, I feel like they're like these three steps. I don't want, I don't know about stages, but in a growing relationship with Jesus, where first he's like, okay, let's just partner in life. Okay, then he asks us to do something, what he kind of normally, what you normally would do, but this time, trust me, at first it's going to sound inconvenient. At first it's going to sound like it doesn't make sense, but just trust me, right? And so I think, you know, for a lot of times in, in my own life, like as as I continue in this walk with Jesus, like he continues to ask things that just trust yeah. me. I know it doesn't make sense, but just trust me. Um, but then in the end, it results in worship. Like he actually worships in awe of who Jesus is. And he's like, man, get away from me. Um, and I love the fact that he was thinking too small, right? There was the one boat, but eventually he's got to, hey, he gets James and John, the other yep. partners to come over. We need another boat, which I also think is interesting because it's not really about only Peter. It's about God, Jesus connecting with Peter. Okay, let's partner. Now you are going to go connect to your partners and bring, get them involved in the blessing and the experience, yeah. uh, which I think is just super practical to life. Like we, God does not just interact with us just for our walks only. Like, yes, it's for our walk, but also including the people around us as well. Well, and, and think about, I mean, I don't know, I get stuck on, on you turn to go back in and they say those, the boats were just so close to the water's edge because they were so full of fish. Right, and I'm right. like, so here they are almost Which risking, has to be a fortune. Yeah, almost risking their lives to get this fortune back. Right. I mean, and you're like, oh my goodness, what's happening here, you know? And then, and then, and then how you land the sermon, and we should probably get close to landing here too. It says, so he, he, they're all amazed. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, they're all amazed. Um, and, and then Jesus says, um, I, what does Jesus say? Oh, uh, verse, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And what I really yeah. like about that is it seems like in the scriptures, Jesus, when he's connecting with people, he always speaks their cultural language, right? Yeah. Like their language, right? Like, so like the woman at the well, she's there to get water and he's, and Jesus says, he doesn't say fishers of men, right? That, that That's a little weird. He says, no, um, I want to give you water that where, where you will never thirst, all right? Or the rich young ruler, um, you will have treasures in heaven, right? And, and now here, they're fishermen, well, fishers of men. So it seems like depending on the situation, depending on the person and who they are, that's the language Jesus uses to connect with them, uh, which to me kind of directly connects with like worship and like worship styles and how you do, right? It's not one size fits all, yeah. right? Jesus is, is he, he connects, you know, personally. I always thought it's kind of like, I mean, it's funny to me, I've, I've said this before, going to church is kind of like, if I go out to eat, do you, do you eat meat? <laughs> I, can't, I don't remember. Yes. I didn't mean to put yes. you on the spot there, yeah, yeah. but um, I'm a vegetarian. So we want to go out together. You pick your favorite restaurant. I always feel like I can go there and I can find something. Sure. It's not my favorite meal, maybe, but I can go in any restaurant and I can find something that I'm going to love and I'm going to eat and I'm going to enjoy the experience of being with you yeah. while I'm at the restaurant. Yeah. All right. I kind of look at that and I say, that's kind of how church is. Mm -hmm. All right. We walk into church and, and there are times that even when we come into church, you know, it, there's times that we've wanted to be critical and say, there's nothing for me at this church. Right. But if you really look, 
there's always something for you at sure, church. Right. There, right. there is. There's the, you, if you look at the menu, so to speak, and sure. say, what is going to feed me? How can this feed me? You'll find a way to be fed. And a lot of it also depends on what you need. Mm-hmm. You know, if you come in and you need a little salad, mm-hmm. you might only get a little salad. If you need a meal mm-hmm. with dessert, mm-hmm. And everything else, it could be there as well. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, uh, it's, it's what's, you come in and a lot of times you find what you're looking for. Absolutely. And that's where I think, um, you know, depending on who you are and where you're coming from, um, God will just connect with you in whatever space that is, right? Whatever language, whatever culture that is, like Jesus will connect with you in that, in that moment. So I, yeah, I love that. I totally agree. Um, and then the last thing you talked about is this, and they left everything and followed him. What do you think of that? Oh, that, that kind of, that's the hard part for me, right? right? I, I it mean, sounds like, oh, right. And like, do you watch like those Jesus movies? And, you know, usually Jesus is in like some sort of like white bathrobe with like a <laughs> Miss America <laughs> Pathfinder sash thingy and is like, you know, come follow me, right? And everyone's like, yes, Lord. And they, like, and it's like, okay, that's kind of weird. And I did, I don't know. That's what I think. That's what goes on in my head. (laughs) The hard thing for me is it's just, you know, you're sitting there and you're doubting your whole existence, so to speak, over the fact that you had this terrible night of fishing. Yeah. um, All the things going on. He's super discouraged. And now in the day when he shouldn't be fishing, he lands the legendary load, the the most amazing thing. I mean, people are going to be talking about this fishing story for how many thousands of years? Yeah, 2,000 years later, we're still talking about it. We're still talking about how amazing it is. You're going to pull that up on shore, and then you're going to choose to walk away from it. Right. And uh, that that's that's a hard one. I mean, for me, for for me personally, maybe, maybe it's not. But to look at... Look at that and say, here is this treasure. You know, I, you might be tempted to say, yeah, let me throw these in the freezer and yeah, I'll right. get right with you. You right, know, right. Um, let me pick up, let me whatever. So I don't know that. But I'm not sure it's talking. Of, yeah. And so we were talking about this earlier, like yeah. also based on what Ellen White says and stuff. But to me, what I find interesting about this and, and just we have like two minutes left. So I'm just going to spit this out in like two minutes. Okay. Spit um, it out in two minutes. I'll but listen. it's kind of connected or I feel like it's connected to the first century Jewish educational system. So basically, in short, um, in the first century, at you know, in that culture at that time, um, there were kind of like these three grades, if you will, right? We have lots of grades now, right? But they, they basically had three grades. There was Bet Sefer, and you would start Bet Sefer at the age of six. Now, it's basically from from six to ten. Okay. And in Bet Sefer, from six to ten, all they would do is memorize Torah, right? So for everyone keeping track at home, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, not just know the books like, like my kids do, they had it memorized, right? Word for word from six to 10. Then if you could do that, it would go into the second grade, basically, which is Bet Talmud. And that would be from uh, ages 10 to 14, roughly. And in Bet Talmud, you would be memorizing all the rest of the Jewish scriptures, which is essentially, right, Genesis to that Italian prophet, Malachi. Um, And just for everyone keeping... I know it's Malachi. Okay, I know. Um, but uh, uh, but for everyone, I'm at, glad you clarified because I yeah, didn't know who someone Malachi. was very confused. It was me. Um, <laughs> I was the one who was very confused. I'm right, like, like, who is Malachi? What are we yeah, talking what is about? The, okay, <laughs> I'm with you now. I'm glad you said but that. This, but like, look at this craziness. Yeah, all, all of this word for word memorized. Right when they're like 14 years old. Um, 
And then, and which then. actually makes sense, right? Because, oh, and then also during this time, um, they're mastering the art of question and answer, right? So like in, in Western educational system, we, you know, we ask a question and, and then you just regurgitate back the, the answer, right? Yeah. Um, two plus two is four or whatever. But for them, if when a question was asked, they would answer using another question. So they're, they're, question, they're mastering this art of question and answering uh, during Bet Talmud. And so, which, which is kind of interesting because, and we see this throughout the scriptures, um, you know, when Jesus gets lost, right, yeah. um, and during Passover, and Mary and Joseph, they're freaking out. They should be freaking out. They just lost God, but that's... That's a thing. So they, but they find him in this in in the sanctuary. Uh, sorry, they, they they find him with the rabbis in the temple. And what are they doing? They're questioning and answering, and they're amazed. Like, who is this kid? He's not a part of Bet Midrash, but yet he's still answering our questions and going back and forth. Anyway, and he was about twelve years old. So anyway, that's what they would be doing. So they would yeah. have all of the Old Testament memorized. And then last, this is how I think it's interesting. And then if they could do all of that, they would go to Bet Midrash. And in Bet Midrash, basically at the age of 14, 15, that's when you would pick a rabbi, a Bible teacher, a pastor, that where you appreciated their yoke, their teaching, right? When Jesus yeah. shows up and he says, you know, take my yoke upon you for my burden is light. And a lot of times we think it's, it's only the oxen neck thingy. Okay, well, maybe. But the other thing is the rabbis, a rabbi's interpretation of the scriptures was also their yoke. So there, so then you would, at Bed Midrash, you have all the scriptures memorized, and now it's like, okay, I'm going to find a rabbi who believes that they can be like, or I can be like them. And so there'd be like an interview type process where the rabbi would, would quiz them on memorizing the scriptures, right? Well, tell me what uh, Isaiah meant in Isaiah, you know, chapter 14. And they would say, oh, I understand. Isaiah meant in Isaiah chapter 14, kind of like what Moses meant in, you know, Exodus 12 or something. And, and so they would just kind of go back and forth. And um during Bet Midrash. But here's the thing that's interesting. Um, according to the Mishnah, that if a student couldn't do that, um, then they had to go back and and be uh, and learn the family trade. They would do whatever dad did. But if they could prove to the rabbi that they were good enough to teach like them and be like them, then the rabbi would say, Leharai, Come follow me. Or in other words, come be a part of, uh, be my disciple. Join my Talmudim. Oh, that's kind of cool. So, why I think this is so interesting. So, here, the story you were talking about you, you, here you have uh, Peter, um, James, and John, and Matthew. Well, here it says their Zebedee was there, um, and they're fishing, which tells us something that they weren't good enough. They, they didn't have Torah memorized. They didn't have the Old Testament memorized. They, maybe they, or maybe they did, and they went to a rabbi, and rabbis were like, you are not good enough to do what I do. Go back and do your family trade. And so that's what they're doing. And then a rabbi shows up and says, Leharai, come follow me. Come join my Tamudim. And so I could only imagine, they're like, wait, People didn't think we were good enough, and you think we are? Of, right, of course they would join that, right? Yeah. And then I imagine it as a daddy, right? Because a lot of times I think about it from Zebedee's perspective. Like, man, poor Zebedee. He's got his sons there, and then they just, like, dip, and they like, leave him alone with all these nets and boats and stuff. But imagine Zebedee going home to Mrs. Zebedee, right? And, like, 
Mrs. Ebony's like, hey, where are the boys? And like, imagine that proud dad's face when he's like, listen, they're with a rabbi, right? I mean, everything would have changed because before the perspective was they're not good enough. And now it's like, no, there is a rabbi who believes in them. And I just think that's really cool. And maybe that's why they leave everything to follow him because finally there's someone who believes in them. Um, which I think is pretty cool, right? Uh, ultimately, again, in low space, Jesus shows up and is like, no, you can do what I, what I do, right? You can be someone great, right? Someone very influential. So, I mean, it's, it's almost like you go through the whole stages. There's the, the finds him in the low space, right? partners with him, yeah. calls him to go deeper, and then yeah. ultimately says, be one of my disciples. Yeah. I mean, right. it's a, because what that it's a whole meant. path you can go on. Oh, for sure. And, and which I think is, that, that's kind of like the calling today, right? Because to be a disciple of a rabbi means that you, you live life in a way that you believe, you're going to do what they do. You're going to yeah. teach what they teach. You're going to believe how they believe. Um, you're going to be exactly like them, which I feel is like that's the mission that's the Christian mission, right? To walk with Jesus and to be like Jesus. Um, so I don't know. I, I just think that's an incredible thing. And, and perhaps that's why they left. Um, and I think that that brings hope to me, right? That even when other people may think you're not good enough or they, um, you know, they, they, they don't have a lot of hope in you, um, but God still does, right? And, and can, and can bring you out of that, right? To ascend to something higher and greater. So, Anyway, any last thoughts on Luke 5? I think I'm good. I don't know. Have we answered all the questions? Is there anything that we Uh, we might have missed? I don't know. Probably. There's always stuff that we missed. But anyway, um, let's pray real quick. Do you want to pray for us real quick? Okay, let's do it. Dear Heavenly Father, um, thank you for this opportunity to open your word together, to dig a little deeper into it, to see what we could maybe parse out, learn a little bit more. Dear Lord, we've seen many, many glimpses at you through this this study time. Um, boy, just help it to draw us closer to you, to walk with you, dear Lord. We love you, and in thy name, amen. Amen. Well, super pumped that you're here. We're, we, we get to partner in ministry now. And uh, thanks, everyone, for watching. Stay tuned. We'll see you next week. Bye for now. Now we just start. You want me to run in? Cameras rolling. I feel like I've arrived now. Because you're on this side because of I'm on, I'm on this Kettering <laughs> Connect. It's, it, you watch this. It's like a legitimate show, you know? I mean, I feel like I should be on at least a cable well, TV was station. here last week. That's what I mean. Yeah. Wait, is this like Oprah? Is there like a prize under my seat? Yeah, there, yeah, is. there is. Oh, I got to remember that. That's kind of Okay, cool. are we ready?